0: You're listening to the collective church podcast to learn more about the collective church in Portland, Oregon, in Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at the Hallelujah. How good it is to be in the collective. This is cool. And uh, I want to honor your pastors, pastor Ben, pastor Heather, wherever she went, there she is. And, uh, I love to just follow you into the presence of Jesus. It's just awesome for your ministry and Pastor Bob, Pastor uh, Jenny. Thank you and honor you for your vision for the house and uh, for the sacrifice and all of what this church does to make a difference in uh, the Portland area. And I'm very, very thankful uh, to just be a part of walking beside these great heroes of the faith that if they were rewriting the book of Hebrews again in 11, you would find them there. That's just the kind of people they are. Uh, I also want to tell you that the, the partnership that you have with Mountain Gateway that I get an opportunity to serve alongside Brother Brett, I've been knowing him his whole life. Uh, we grew up in the same town. Same church, same outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I was telling um, uh, Bob and Ginny this morning, uh, I used to go to their house at, when I was about 16 because I wanted Brett's sister to like me. <laughs> you know, so I was, I was there. Uh, I don't know if I had any spiritual Motivation, But the thing is, is I've I've been knowing Brother Britt a long time, and he's always been a man thirsty for God. And what you see happening through Mountain Gateway, I'm honored that Ann and I get a chance to serve. We get this opportunity to serve. I serve as the vice president of Mountain Gateway, and I I get to do that because Jesus allowed me to be in that place and to see what God's doing. But I want to just tell you, the partnership that you have with Nicole... um, Pastor Ben was sharing a little bit about her, but I want you to know, this lady is bad to the bone. I, I, I'm not. I'm not talking about like, um, you know, she's not your normal like Christian. Okay, she's really not. Here's what happens. I'm going to give you the the raw fact. She will go into a house where the cartel is dominating a particular area. She puts on a bulletproof vest, and she goes in there, and she extracts the child. If she has to take the child out of the arms of whoever is holding them hostage, she takes the kid out. And bold as a lion. she. I would not want to meet Nicole And, you know, in in an alley and she's mad. I'm going to be saying, yes, ma'am. That's the kind of woman she is. Now, here's the deal. None of us are probably going to go do that. Come on, help me. We're not going to go put on a bulletproof vest and go in and extract children. Uh, Some of you might, but most of us won't. Okay? However, we get a chance to partner with her to help her do it. And... I don't want to be weird about it, but I want to be honest about it. The Scriptures tell us that if we give a cup of cold water to the prophet, then we get to actually involve ourselves from the prophet's reward, whatever the prophet did, whatever the person did, because we gave water, we gave refreshment, we gave res- resources to the prophet, then we get to participate. Now, I know that may sound a little selfish, but I like the fact that God honors his investment system. Like you invest into the kingdom, then he says, I'm going to reward. He loves to do that. And so when you give in to the ministry with Nicole, then he loves. Loves to give to those who gave. So I, I bless you today with what you're doing. I, I honor you today for what you're doing. And then I want to offer you something. How many of you would like to go and meet Nicole and see Global, the Village Global? How would you like to go there? Okay. Ann and I are going to host a trip this summer. We're going to take you to Mexico and, uh, um, gonna take you there and let you see the work Uh, we have a couple of things we're gonna do we're gonna actually go into the jungle and and we're gonna go to some of our village churches Uh, and it's not like you go down to Third Avenue North and turn right I mean it's like down a path and down in a valley and up another one and down and go into the villages and see what God's doing in the village all right so if you'll put Sean if you'll put up on the screen if you'll take your phone Go ahead. This is the last time you can do it. Go ahead and take your phone. And I want you to go ahead and and do what all of you know to do. Yeah, I love that. Isn't that awesome? Look at that. Y'all are figuring it out. I just figured out you can do this. This is pretty cool. And at 63, I'm pretty amazed that I just figured this out. All right. Uh, But what will happen when that comes up, you're going to have some choices. If you want to go on the missions trip, Then you'll hit missions, and the first thing you'll have is it'll say, uh, go on a missions trip, okay? Now, let me tell you why I'm doing this today. And I spoke to uh, Jacob Hancock, who's our missions director. He's down there. And I said, I really believe that we can fill the whole trip in the morning. I need some details. Because I I believe this. I believe that today we'll just say, because we can only take 10 people, just because of the logistics of moving people where they need to move. Does that make sense? So we can take 10 people. So I need you to today, if you have this much interest, hit the missions button. Hit the button that says take a missions trip. But go ahead and register. Go ahead and do it. And if you have this much interest, pay the deposit. The reason I'm telling you is because... I hate to say it like this, but it is a first come, first serve. And how many of you know uh, Pastor Danny McDaniel? Okay, he's already signed up, so we have nine slots, okay? (laughs) We have nine slots, all right? So I'm telling you, go do it today, because that's what's going to happen. It's going to get full, and then you're going to go, oh, I wish I would have just, oh, I wish. It's only $1,300 a person, and that includes your airfare. That includes your lodging. That includes your food. Do you hear what I'm telling you? It's pretty amazing that for $1,300, you can go and spend a week with us. It's July the 28th through August the 4th. July the 28th through August the 4th. And I I don't want to spend a, a lot more time than I think I have, but there's some other things I want you to also know about. Uh, Andrew went with us th- this past summer on one of our, or last year's summer in our intensives. Powerful enjoyed spending uh, an entire summer in the in the backcountry in the wilderness with some amazing champions, and uh, some of of those champions are from here. Rob went with us. In fact, Rob is actually now uh, being trained to be one of our instructors. He's absolutely a- a- amazing in the backcountry. And what I'm, the reason I'm telling you this is because those classes are also filling up. And here's the main reason I'm telling you about it today: we have what's called. Uh, y'all know about early bird because w- early bird is the is the language of Tetelestai. If you want to get into her voice, it's the early it's the early bird. Okay. And so we put that in there. If you want to go on one of our intensives, there are four of them this summer. We have an open enrollment; anybody can enroll. And number two, we have a couples. Okay, we have a men and we used to have a ladies, but my wife is going as an instructor and her and Bailey, my daughter, and Miss Audrey are instructing and it filled up like that. Now, if you can go in ladies and, you know, because sometimes people back out and you want to get on the waiting list, but those are four of the intensives this summer. It will change your life. Andrew, will it change your life? Rob, will it change your life? change your life, and you'll have an amazing, amazing opportunity to go to the Wind River Range and see the Tetons in a way that will blow your mind, okay? So I, I encourage you to do that. Go on our website. Find out what's going on. Sign up for those things now. I've done all the commercials I'm doing. I need to get into the Word of God. I feel the pressure of the Holy Spirit to move because I have some things to say to you that is not a sermon. I, I, I love to preach sermons I love to be encouraging and and inspirational and exciting. And people go out going, wow, now that was a word today, Bishop. And that's, you know, I I love that. But today, uh, I have a a different kind of a word today. Um, The word I have today has a very significant message for our culture and our time. This is a message that I feel uh, nervous about D- down in here. You know how you you just sometimes you have something that you know is an important thing to say and you feel the nervousness of the Holy Spirit. Not worry, but a, a nervousness down inside to speak the word. So here's the big idea today that's so valuable for all of us to know is that God is alive, and he, he really is alive. So I'm giving you my presuppositions today because I'm not going to uh, have a debate over certain issues. I'm going to tell you up front what my presuppositions are so that there's no confusion about where I'm headed. Does that make sense? All right. First of all, this message today is built on the fact that I believe God Almighty is alive, real, and Jehovah Creator God. I believe that from the core of every part of my being. So that's one presupposition. The second thing I believe is that the Bible is God's declaration of real truth for all of us. It is the truth. It is our true north. The Bible is God's holy inspired word of God. That's a presupposition. So I'm not going to, to debate whether God's who he says he is. I'm not going to debate that this is what it says it is, all right? And I'm also, my, la- my third presupposition today is that the devil is real. So I have three of them. God is real, his word is true, and the devil is real. So you know how long we could debate those three? If we wanted to get into a debate about whether or not I'm accurate on that we could debate for a long 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 time and I'm not there today because I have something else to say that is built on that truth all right and the first thing I want you to to go with me is about the identity of who God says we are because I believe God is who he says he is and I believe I am what God says I am and I believe I can do what God says I can do amen all right so that's what I believe And so I believe that today if we could have a shift of our attention towards all of us saying, I am what God says I am, I really am. However, the devil is alive to deceive us into believing that what God says about us is not true. Because if he can control what we believe about ourselves, he controls our destiny and everything about us. So the word I'm going to preach today and the the, the the passion down inside of me is that we've got to get in touch with some things that God has said about us that the culture, that the devil, and a lot of people in our world today are telling us is not true. You probably want to take some notes because what will happen probably in the next 30 days is that you will share this message with someone else. Okay. I'm going to read a scripture out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Chapter 1, it's going to be on the screen today. Chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. So here we go. Then the Lord God said, let us, interesting concept, us. I I don't have time to get into the the, the theology of the plural, but it means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three of them involved in this process. Let us make man in our image. So if God makes man in his image, he just said God is in a plurality. He is in oneness but three. Okay, that's a deep idea of oneness, one and three. So now he's going to make man in a plurality. Does that make sense? So he's going to make him in a relational way, just like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit relate perfectly, he's now going to create man in that same image. So he says, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Say dominion. Amen. So he declares, I'm going to make man and I'm going to give him dominion. That's authority. That's power. Dominion. And he's going to give man dominion over Go ahead. Everything. That means at the highest point of who's in charge of the earth, say, I am in charge of the earth. Say it. I'm in charge of the earth. Now, that's sometimes hard to say because it's like, really? I'm in charge of the earth? Absolutely. And the devil is not. I am in charge of the earth. And the devil is not. And the Bible says that he gives us dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the creeping things, bugs. Everything. Say everything. Listen to this, though. He said, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him, what? Male and female. There is no question that he created man in two forms. He created man to have dominion over everything, and he said, you're male. And he says, I'm going to create man to have dominion over everything. You're female. And they both have the same power. There's no distinction. There's no, okay, Adam, you have more power than Eve. No, they have dominion. And he made them male and female. And the reason I'm telling you this is because our culture says that is not something we can leave up to God. That is something that is left up to us. And here's the big idea for the message today. We are not in charge of determining whether or not we're a male or a female. We do not have that power. However, the Bible, and I'm going to show you today from the scriptures, that the Bible says that the devil intends to deceive us about that very subject. So I've written today at the top of this, identity reveals destiny. So I want you to put it in real form. My gender determines my destiny. My sexuality determines my destiny. So he said to them, look at this, It's is amazing. He said, I created them male and female. He created them. Then God, what? Bless them. You need to just go study that word because here's what it means. Let me, let me, I, I didn't ask y'all, I didn't ask you, I didn't ask you to borrow you to. Abby, my, my son and daughter and all, can y'all come up here? Give them a hand for their help. I'm just embarrassed the fire out of them. Okay. All right. So, yeah, okay. So y'all are going to stand right here just like this, and y'all remember the day that y'all were at the house and and I married you. Okay. So I did just about a year ago, by the way. Hey, give it up for just about a year, huh? Okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to give you a visual picture of the word blessed. I want y'all to kneel down. Just kneel down right here, okay? All right. <laughs> yeah, went the knees. All right, look at this picture. Look at this picture, okay? I bless you, Jaden, as a man of God. I bless you, Abby, as a woman of God. And now I sanction today, by the authority God's given to me, your husband and wife. Now you may kiss your bride. See? Now that picture, yeah, okay. That picture, is the word picture in the Hebrew for blessed so what do you do you un, do you see this it looks like what would we call this a her, yes a what a wedding what is that word trying to tell us happened in the beginning who married Adam and Eve God married them he married them and blessed them give them a hand y'all are good all right And then he said, I bless you. And look what God says. Now go be fruitful. And what? On okay, so you want, to, you want me to interpret that for you? Do I need to help you? That means, bottom line, I bless you now. Go have sex. That's what that means. So how early in the Bible is a wedding and the honeymoon? Like about 26 verses. And who married them? Who blessed their union? Absolutely. And their command to go on a honeymoon was from God. And I will tell you, from that moment, the devil has been trying to mess that up. Because if he can mess that up, he messes up everything. Our identity, meaning I'm a male, my wife is a female, and we're blessed by God, and we enjoy intimacy, is of God. And if any of that gets outside of God's order, it won't work. It will not work so our identity and who we are I am a male and I was created to rule the earth that's who I am so when God gave us this he gave us the answer to life's most important question so now we have the opportunity as individuals today to actually consume the commands of God. So I have my little water bottle here, and I want you to look at identity is my opportunity. Say it out loud. Identity is my opportunity. Say it again. Identity is my opportunity. Now, God says, I'm going to put all of who you are, let's just assume for a moment, right here in this bottle. This is my identity it is my future. It is everything about me. And God puts it right in there. And I'm gonna say that's the word of God. That's the truth of God. That's God in all of his goodness is now right here. Now I have a choice of whether or not I will activate that destiny. I can activate it. So I want you to look at a definition of opportunity. Opportunity is opportunity is the moment. This moment, right now. This moment where all of your future is condensed into one single moment. And it can be activated by one single decision that you make. I will now consume the purposes of God. Now the devil will tell us, that is a lie. God's not good. This is to keep things from you. This is to keep your whole future controlled by a God who doesn't have your best interest. So, there is a better way. And so Satan, from the very beginning... Begin to answer some, inqu- some questions, and I want you to look at some of the things that the devil began to distort. And I have a slide today, it's entitled, Our Created Needs Are Met Only God's Way. Now I want you to look at this, our purpose, our value, our significance, our belonging, our meaning, and our fulfillment. Are met only when I consume God's purposes. My value in who I am, my significance, everything I need, these are my needs, created needs, and they are met when I believe what God says about me. Acts chapter 17, verse 28. It is through Him that we live and function and have our identity. It is in Him. That we choose. I don't get to choose my gender. Not a popular message today. A very debatable message today. But God didn't debate it. God did not do any of the debate and give you those options. He didn't give me those options. In fact, God said, I'm going to determine that so that when a child is born, God gives what that child needs. And he doesn't make it hard to figure out. (laughs) Dude, I'm not going to go off too far down that road, but I think you're, as Pastor Bob would say, you're picking up what I'm putting down okay and isn't that amazing that God made it that simple however do you realize how long people have been struggling with what they see in the mirror I met a lady this past summer she's been making wedding dresses for a living for nearly 50 years And she said, I do about 40 wedding dresses a year. And I've been doing that for over 40 years. And she says, and all of those brides who stand in front of the mirror and I put pins and all that, she says, I have not had one single bride in over 40 years that liked their body. Not one. And here's the deal. There's something demonic about that that all of us look in the mirror and go, I don't like that. I don't like what I see. But in fact, there's something pure about that in God's eyes because he made us just exactly the way we are. He did. He made us just that way. And so I get to look in the mirror and go, you're a male and you're created to dominate the earth. I love it. I didn't do that most of my life. I was one of those who could play one hundred and sixty pound football in the first grade. You know I, I, I was one of those I was one of those boys that developed m- wide more than tall. Really? <laughs> I was. And because of that, there was a lot of things that were said about me from my friends that caused me to think things about what I saw in the mirror. And the way girls treated me made me think about myself different than God thought about me. I can remember. I can remember the, the embarrassment that names would be said about me. I I, I, fee- I know what that was like, and you know what happens when you begin to go down that road and the devil knows that he has you right where he wants you? He begins to do some things that would even continue to distort what you see. Does that make sense? All right, so I'm going to go to a slide today that's uh, entitled, um, Ident- Identify the Lie About Your Identity. I want you to see that. And I want every one of us to identify the lie about our own identity. What has the devil told us about who we are? Because the devil started a, a strategy against me personally, and I know he has one for every one of you. I'm going to show that to you from the Bible. Every one of us, he has a strategy to begin to distort your sexuality. Okay. Let me put it this way. He wants to distort God's perspective of your gender so that he can control your destiny. Because if he can control what God said about you and get you to doubt what God said about you, then he can control everything about you. Everything. Because you will believe what you see more than what you hear from Him. You'll believe the culture. You'll believe it all. So let me tell you where it started. In John chapter 8, verse 43, Jesus said these words, Why is my language not clear to you? Is that not an interesting question, by the way, to just go ahead and ponder a minute or two? Why is it that what I say to you Why is it that when God says something to us, we don't get it? Why is it not clear? And then Jesus answers the question. He says, because you are unable to hear what I say. You are unable to hear what I say. And then he says, here's why. You belong to your father, the devil. (laughs) And you want to carry out your father's desires. Listen to this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. See, God even declared something about Satan. He was an angel, an archangel in heaven. And God said, this is your identity. And he says, I refuse to accept my identity. I will be my own God and I will determine my own destiny and my own position. And now I will not listen to you, God, about anything in my future. He's been doing it a long time, by the way. And because of that, it creates death. So the bottom line is, is if the devil can control our sexuality, he has put a death sentence upon our destiny. It's done. It's over with. Because we will question everything. And then he says, listen, it's unbelievable. For there is no truth in him. There is no truth. Why can't we hear the voice of God? Because we are believing a lie from the devil. And if he can get us to believe the lie, we can't hear the voice of God declaring, You're a male and created to dominate the earth. You're a female and created to dominate the earth. The Bible is powerful. And then it says he cannot even speak the truth. He speaks his native language. <laughs> I barely can speak English, and I'm working on it. I can't speak any other languages, except I can speak Spanish, baño. I can do that. Okay. <laughs> or baño, or I just like my southern baño. Okay. Here's the deal. What's Satan's language? How do you know if he's lying? He's talking, that's exactly right. (laughs) Absolutely. Now that sounds so simple, it's like, come on, that's too elementary. Well then if it's that elementary, why are we all dealing with it? The reason is, is that we're so insecure about who we are, he controls us with lies. That's, that's the bottom line. If we really knew who we were, we would tell him where he could put it. Yeah. Leave me alone. Right. All right. So let me tell you where he started with me. First picture. Um, I'm probably, I'm, I'm about six years old right there. How about six? Don't you laugh. <laughs> Pastor Bob. Oh, it was Pastor Ben they're laughing I, I think I think I'm pretty cute looking right there okay. now let me tell you what happened at that age. I spent the night at the next door neighbor's house two boy two, two of my friends they were boys, and a very unfortunate sexual event happened between me and those two boys and it changed the way I thought about my identity. And it's like the devil put a hook, like in my flesh, like a, a hook, and then every time I would want to make a decision about my identity, he only had to just pull a little bit on that hook, just just, a, just a little bit. And I for, you, I promise you, if I put a hook in you, like a fish hook, and every time I wanted to control you, I just got to jerk a little bit on that line, just just a little bit, and you'll forget everything else except what, oh, the hook. He started there. Uh, next picture. Then uh, I'm probably about I'm eight or nine there, and my dad, obviously a football coach, and I'm at the stadium at that high school where he coached, and he's coaching. And I'm doing what a coach's kid's doing. I'm going through everything. I'm under the bleachers and dressing room. I'm all over the place. And one day, I'm under the bleachers, and I find a Playboy magazine under the bleachers. And it was the first time that my eyes began to have a different understanding of the world. It changed how I thought about things. Another hook. An, another hook. It, you, are you understanding? Do you know how many people today have those from, whether it was a molestation, incest, a rape, a, some kind of experience, an, a, a sexual experience that allowed the devil to put the hook in and pull? Okay. Okay. And, and I'm telling you, sometimes these hooks are, even after the event, like an affair. And it happened years ago, but he still has the hook. So that you, you want to move on, but he always seems to have that control. Does that make sense? All right, let me just go to the next picture. This is my, this is my favorite. That's my bride, Anne. Oh, I love her. We've been married 27 years. However, what some of you might not know she's my second wife my first wife and I got a divorce I was pastoring a church in Birmingham Alabama and she served divorce papers to the church and my life changed drastically in a moment in a moment hook hook the shame the scarlet letter a pastor divorced what credibility do you have anymore you have nothing and then having to just deal with all of what a divorce is. It's ugly. A hook. Shame. Shame from six years old. Shame from nine years old. Shame from my 30s and divorce. All kinds of things. The reason I want to show you that is that the devil has a strategy for every one of us. And let me show you how he first got started in his strategy to put hooks in us. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to move very quickly, so you're going to have to follow me quickly. But look what Satan did. He talks to the woman. Look what I have underlined. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. Meaning that what, what are her eyes now? If she's going to eat and now have open eyes, what is he saying about her eyes? They're closed. In other words, you're blind to the truth about God. You're blind to the truth about him. In fact, I know the truth about him. See what Satan is doing? Isn't that just, oh, it makes me so mad how he just throws words in there and just turns that around and makes it sound like, because Eve's eyes were wide open. But he convinced her, that she was blind. That is so deceptive. She had everything she needed. That, let me. Give, I'm going to give you a real-life example. I married, my first time, a virgin. And I was a virgin all the way up until I got married. I was 20 years old, and I chose that lifestyle because I felt like Christ wanted that out of my life. My friends, my friends said... I was blind. However, my eyes were wide open. But my friends tried to convince me I was actually blind to what I needed to see. Do you see how the devil? He will say, "Oh, it's, it's the, the grass is greener on the other side. That woman or that man, that the, you need a, a relationship. Outside of marriage. See, you need that because you're blind. You don't even know what you don't have. And the devil uses that to exploit us. He is a liar. And his language is lies. How do you know if the devil is lying? He's talking. That's That's how we know. So, here's what Satan wanted. Next slide. He wanted man to believe he was his own God. I do not need to serve a God who has blinded me. And he really doesn't want me to know. Satan did not want Adam and Eve to follow the direction of God. So he led them down a road to exchange the most valuable for the least valuable. When they had the most valuable, does that make sense? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something. Watch this. Okay. All right. I have a hundred dollar bill and a one dollar bill. All right, there you go. Brooke. Hold that right there. All right. Listen, brother. This right here. This is the ticket, dude. And, and I, it, will it, you exchange? I'll give you a dollar because mine's much more valuable than yours. Does that not sound silly? It does sound silly. Okay, watch this. If I take this one and this hundred back to the nursery right. <laughs> yeah. and I give it to a one year old, what will happen? They may eat it? <laughs> huh? They don't know the difference. In fact, they're too young to know the value. Right? right. Oh, right. right? Yes. But if an adult's sitting there watching a, a two-year-old play with a $100 bill, what, what are they going to do? They're going, go, whoa, hallelujah, blessing. <laughs> huh? Because they may understand the value. And the reason I draw this to your attention is this is the devil right here. We have the hundred and he keeps wanting to offer us the one dollar bill. And because we're so immature, we take the one dollar bill. Because we are immature. Because when you begin to believe that your identity is found in something other than God, you're immature. And we believe those who are saying you can choose your own way are mature and intelligent. And they've got it all together, and we who believe in God are just idiots. This is what's going on. I'm not smart. I just know that I'm going to hang on to the hundred. I mean, I don't even have to have a, a, a sixth grade education, I'm going to hold on to the hundred. I made 14 on the ACT and I'm holding on to the 100. I really did. (laughs) Yeah, I was not the sharpest pencil in the bucket. Okay. So what really happened? What really happened? Next slide. Adam and his wife were both naked and they were what? They felt no shame. Because sin was not in the picture. They understood their value. Right? And Satan offered them the $1 bill because they believed they were blind when in fact their eyes were open and they accepted the bribe. They accepted the bribe. They did. And when they accepted the bribe, they exchanged no shame for shame. They exchanged no shame, complete innocence between them and God and, them, and Adam and Eve, complete innocence. And we say, well, that's just immaturity. Listen, I'm going to accept God's innocence. I'm going to accept God's innocence. But when sin entered into the world, what happened? Now they hid themselves because now they're naked. And now they know that what they used to have is now gone. What they used to have is now gone. Because now all I have is the dollar. And now God has put a cherub in front of the garden. now I can never, ever, ever have this again. So why? Why is that? A devilish thing. Romans chapter six, verse six. Put that on the screen. Romans chapter six, verse six. It's way down in the in the list. Romans chapter six, verse six. Could it be any clearer? Could it be any clearer? I'm reading from from the. Uh, Passion Translation. Could it be any clearer? Now it's on the screen. Look at this. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? Our former identity, meaning my $1 identity, my former, I'm now in sin, my sinful identity, my insecure identity, it now has no power over me. The hooks have been removed. Yes. No more hooks in me. Why? For we were co crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold, to take out the hooks, to remove the shame. Right to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would know, listen, we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin. And what Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to get this back. I'm going to go to the cross and get this back. And now I'm asking you, Jesus is saying this, Will you exchange with me? I got this back for you, and this is all you have. And Jesus says, here, I'll exchange. I'll I'll give you back the identity you had in the beginning. I'll give you back the identity I gave you in the garden. I give you back your dominion. I give you back your power. I give you back your authority. I give it all back to you. And I'm asking you, don't hold on to this another day. Don't hold on to this another day. I'm asking you today, will you give up your God position? Your God position of thinking you know what's best. Because really and truly, we don't know best. That's why He's God. He created us. He's the master of the universe. He's the power of God within us. And I'm asking you today, would you accept the life of no shame? Will you give up the life of shame you now possess? And when you give that up, And let him take the hooks out. And let him... The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that for joy he went to the cross and he scorned the shame. The word scorn means he cast it down. In other words, I'm standing, Jesus on the cross, and I'm getting all the benefits of the cross. I'm getting all the benefits of the cross. My sin is forgiven. I'm redeemed by the power of the cross. But shame is standing there saying, oh, oh, however... You know what you did? Sin. And the emotions. And all of what sin created, shame is still there reminding us. And that's why the Bible says not only did He go to the cross for us, He scorned the shame for us. And let me show you what it really looks like. Shame is there, accusing. Accusations with no appeal. Judgment with no appeal. Yeah, I know you're under the cross, but... And Jesus said, I... Put you in your place, shame. You be quiet. I cast you down, shame. You will not affect my children. He not only took our sin, He dealt with the shame of our sin. In so many years, I lived under the forgiveness of sin, but the control of shame. I lived under the freedom The freedom of the cross and the control of shame. And today, I don't know whether what you've chosen, you could have chosen a lifestyle that you're thinking, God's not happy with that lifestyle. He's not happy with the things I've thought, the thoughts that have come into my mind. He's not happy with that. And I'm telling you, Jesus is happy with you. He's very happy with you. He died for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's chasing you. But He's asking you for a divine exchange today. So I'm going to ask you if you want the power of freedom to not ever have to walk another day in your shame. How bold will you be willing to be today? Because if I said, anybody wants $100, come get it, you would be bold. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm not, but you. Can. I have another service. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I love your faith. So how many wants to be bold today and just stand up and say, I'm tired of shame. I'm not, not another day. I'm out of here. I'm not going to, who's going to stand up? And just be bold and say, I'm not another day. There you go. Not another day. Not, not, not another day. Yes. Not another day. Not another day. Who else will say, I have made the decision to make the exchange. Who's going to do that? Anybody else? I'm going to pray for you. You can stay standing because I'm going to pray for you. Those of you who are standing, I'm going to pray for you. That you'll never have to live another day in that shame. Jesus, I thank you for the boldness of those who have stood today and said, not another day. I thank you, Lord, for the divine exchange. Today, those who have stood and said, I will accept the power and authority of heaven today for my life. Today. I will not walk in the shame and the lies and the threats of the devil another day. I will take on my dominion and my power and my authority and I will cast down the thoughts of the devil. I will never again walk with hooks that will draw me back into another thinking pattern or a lifestyle or the threats of the devil. I now stand against it in the power and the authority of heaven today. Lord, I pray for those who are standing in boldness, knowing that their security is in you and in the power of the blood of Jesus. And everybody in the house said amen. Stand with me. Every one of you, please. I thank you for today your um, Your heart to hear. There will be those that in the next... 30 days somehow just you'll run into them and you will hear the lies of the devil it'll come out of their mouth you'll hear it and you'll discern it because now you have a heart that will be connected to the Holy Spirit and you'll hear the lies do not judge them do not condemn them but remind them of the love of God and the cross that redeems the lie Just remind them. Just remind them of how much God loves them. He loved them so much that He said, "I, I don't want you to live that way. And be bold enough, be bold enough to help them see their own identity in Christ. Amen? Amen. I bless you today as you go. I bless you today in the authority of heaven. I bless you today that your marriages will be blessed. Your future marriages will be blessed. Your broken marriages will be blessed. I today bless you today that your children will rise up and they will begin to declare the hope of their relationship in Christ, that they will not follow the lies of the devil. I bless you today as parents that you today will have the boldness to stand firm knowing what the Bible says and in love declare it to your children and to your grandchildren. Today I bless you with an authority that when you leave this place and in the next 30 days people come into your life, you'll have the boldness and the love and the compassion to share the Word of God that they may truly be free from the hook of shame and the lies of the devil. And everyone who believes that, say amen. Amen. Say amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.